we're back at it recording again. We are indeed. Hello and welcome to Super Duperstitious. The podcast that looks at the paranormal, the creepy, the weird, and asks the question, what? Is that is that really happening? Yeah, we try and look at stuff with kind of a skeptical, scientific sort of uh, mindset. Exactly, but simultaneously, get to enjoy the stories. No harm in that. Oh yeah. I'm Jake. I'm Wyatt. And let's get started. Let's get right into this. So, we're getting closer to Halloween now. We are indeed. Um, we are still recording this well in advance of when it's going to come out. But, uh, but we're catching up to ourselves, if that makes right. any sense. And uh, so when this comes out, we'll be just on the brink of the verge of the cusp of the spookiest it's about time of the year. Halloween! So, accordingly, we figured we'd stop talking about uh, creatures so much and start talking more about... Spooky ghosts. The spooky things. <laughs> so before we get into our stories, I think I want to update you on The Phantom of the Chicago. Oh my goodness, yes please. Over the course of this year, uh, there have been yeah, let's catch them close up. to like 50 different sightings in mm-hmm. Chicago or around the Chicago area of a giant humanoid flying bat creature. Oh my god. It's big. It's... um. Got big wings. It looks like just a huge bat with glowing red eyes. <laughs> and so it's just, and it's such a creepy, weird, crazy sounding thing. It's like, how can it be real? You know and how, people oh. keep seeing it. You know how they have those like um, Halloween blowout like supply stores that are only around from like now through October 31st? Yeah. I wonder if it's just a promotional tool for those <laughs> things. They've been going at it really hard all year, just trying. To exactly. <laughs> They're like, or like people see it and they just go, "Oh, I saw this creature in the night, and it was throwing coupons at me from the sky." <laughs> They're just gonna ramp it up throughout for the, the entire Halloween month of warehouse. <laughs> all right. So there have been um, a number of sightings. Some of actually, some of them were actually a little bit before our last recording. We recorded on, I think, September tenth. And so there were some that happened before that, but have actually uh, some happened before that, but then were reported after we recorded. So they're yes, behind, but, it's um, an ongoing event. Yes, apparently. Um, cool update to this: everything we were getting up until now has been from the website Phantoms and Monsters. Until now, <laughs> now a different um, uh, Mothman's and prophecies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, UFO Clearinghouse is the name of UFO the, uh, Clearinghouse. <laughs> it is a promotional thing. <laughs> yeah. This is a thing. <laughs> so you, right. see, you get abducted and then you get this giant check at UFO your door. UFO Clearinghouse. <laughs> um, We've got too many stories. Kind of stories, fun, stories. Fun thing I'm finding about them as far as how they do their thing, they um they seem to really uh like do hard reporting kind of stuff. They're really into like getting people on the street, going out and doing interviews in person following Mm -hmm. up on stories and like getting the whole deal um so the first story comes from september 9th via ufo clearinghouse a brother and sister were attacked in levita so levita is the little uh the little village in chicago it's a largely uh, latin american community it sounds like um so i'll just try and rattle off their story real quick we were walking back from visiting a family member's house when we saw what looked like a large bat fly over our heads and continue down, down the street as we continued walking we saw that the bat had landed on the ground across the street from a convenience store on the corner of Ridgeway and 24th. Mm-hmm. We also noticed that it was looking right at us as we walked towards the intersection. It was very easy to see it with the lights. As we got nearer, we saw someone come out of the store across the street, um, and this thing turned its attention toward the person who saw it and screamed and took off running. 
It was then that it turned back to us and opened its wings and took a step toward us. What? My sister and I did not stand around to see what was going to happen next and took off running back towards 23rd Street. The large bat let out a shriek and took off into the air. Um, it flew just over our heads and then landed about 15 feet in front of us on the road. No. <laughs> it looked right at us and shrieked at us. At the time, a car turned onto Ridgeway from behind us on 24th Street. The bat took off from the road uh, and then just flew away. So it does. Uh, they just left there scared and freaking out what had just happened. So it had like chased them, landed in front of them, and cut them off. But then it saw a car coming behind them and left. So they said that they don't know what would have happened to them if it weren't for that car. <sighs> Pretty cool. <laughs> like, okay. A step towards them, though. If it was a bat, they describe it as a bat then? A large bat, yeah. Wouldn't that be sort of quadrupedal, though? Don't they need to use their hands to help sort of prop that's, themselves that's up? That's the weird thing. Like, different stories of people talking about it landing. It seems like it's a humanoid bat creature, so it has some kind of human-like qualities body-wise, like a really thin also, person, six to seven feet tall, and then wings. How is this not on, like, national news right now if this is happening? The fact that... It, I mean, that's what's... It's so fun because there's so many reports, but... It's still not like it's, you'd think with so many reports it'd be getting more coverage. You, you know exactly, especially in Chicago. I mean, I can understand if it was like residents of some small town. Yeah, but this is like. But yeah, let me rattle off a couple more. Real yeah, quick. go for um, it, please. September eleventh, so it's Monday. Uh, a shaken witness sights a huge winged object at ten twenty-five a.m. The daytime one this oh. time from her apartment on the twenty-fifth floor of a high-rise. In the Kenwood community on the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So she saw this huge bat thing flying around among the buildings, like over the top, and then just out toward the lake. Um, she had seen many airplanes from there, and she knew it was no fixed-winged aircraft. <laughs> it seemed like it was six feet tall. One um, of them flapping planes. Yeah. Six to seven foot tall, if it was just standing up. A 12-foot wingspan eventually flew toward downtown. Uh, she thought of taking a picture, but was paralyzed by, quote, an overwhelming creepiness as she looked at it. <laughs> She just, like, just felt too creeped out to take a picture. Um, but Come she, on. I know. but um, And the, the downside, all the sightings are pretty brief, so like she was just like, too creeped out, and then it was gone. I guess that's um, fair, though. I mean, I yeah. feel like if I saw something like that... It's uh, so hard to know what you'd do in the moment. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, she looked down and saw people on the ground looking up at it, so she said she would report back if she finds out anyone had any pictures. So other people apparently saw it. She's the one who reported it. September 12th from UFO Clearinghouse. Um, a black <sighs> devil. I, get seen, over it. I know it's just a great name. Um, a, a black devil was seen again mm. back in La Villita. Uh, a woman was coming out of a convenience store. When I heard that, I thought, "Is this the same person? Different dates." Like, oh, like the convenience store woman, of course. And running away scared. That'd be cool if we got a story in stereo, though. That'd that would be, crazy. be very cool. But uh, so you came out of the convenience store, turned left, and saw this thing that looked like a large person, but it had huge black wings and a pair of glowing orange eyes. that was at least seven feet tall. They're just standing Goodness there. Gracious. Stared at her for about 10 seconds, making weird chirping noises as she approached. Hmm. Uh, she kept moving because she was afraid that if she stopped, she wouldn't be able to move again out of fear. When she was about 20 feet from it, it shrieked loudly and took off into the air toward West 25th Street. <laughs> the wind watched it until it disappeared into the night, praying like crazy, and then rushed home. She was sure she had seen the devil. These details. Oh, my goodness. Uh, back home, her grandmother said it was either the devil or a lechusa. Lechusa is, um, I don't know if it's Mexican folklore or just generally Latin American folklore, but I think it's a woman who can turn into like a giant black bird. Hmm. It's, I guess a kind of a, either a witch-like person or a, a Straga a, figure. Yeah. Um, 
So that night, the witness slept with the windows closed and locked and the curtains drawn and a desk lamp on. She did not want it to come back. Uh, just totally, totally terrified. I mean, totally fair. If that actually happened. Yeah. My goodness. The last one also took place in La Villita, um, a few days later, September 16th. Hmm. Um, some, some folks were grilling uh, carnitas at about 10.30 p.m. <laughs> like you do. Yeah. And heard a loud scream, uh, quote, loud enough that the entire neighborhood must have heard it. So they looked around to see what had happened. If someone was in trouble or anything, they saw a black figure with huge black wings landing on the other side of the road. It stood there and stretched out its wings at one point. It was approximately a nine-foot wingspan, they estimated. And its wings did not look like bird wings, they specified. Uh, it then apparently noticed the witnesses because it looked right at them with, quote, large glowing red eyes and then flew off into the night. This is crazy to me. And their last quote was, uh, it looked like a black demon with large wings. What the hell's going <laughs> I on? Know, it's just, it's happening all the time. Uh, then to round it all out, there have been additional reports since we last recorded of uh, pterodactyls in the Midwest and several reports of gargoyle-like creatures in Florida. So this is just <laughs> a thing now. It's just, just a thing now. Folks are, man, I really do wonder the mass hysteria aspect of it all. Definitely. Particularly given our wonderful year of 2017. <laughs> and the kind of undoubtedly widespread uh we sort could of go for really anything else trauma. to worry about that isn't what's actually happening it, yeah. in real life. Leave the bat alone, people. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's uh that's crazy to me. That so that is, is the story of the Phantom of the Chicago <laughs> since we last talked. Um, He's still working on his opera voice. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll uh, we'll keep updating you as as the story unfolds. My, my Back ne- to you, my, Wyatt. My last question. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll take over in just one moment. But the do they still have that map? Do you remember that map? They do. So, yeah, if you go back to singularfortian.com, and I think also on phantomsandmonsters.com, they're still updating <laughs> pinpoints on the map of where it's all happening. Which uh, is just great. I'm looking now. I just want to see where La Vita La Villita? La Villita. Little village. I, yeah, it's like 24th Street, 25th Street, like that area. I don't actually know where uh. any of that is, but... Oh, yeah, here we go. Got it? I think Little Village, does it translate to? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I've got uh, number 48, been, Black Devil. There you go, yep. What the hell is going on? Yeah, 48. There was another sighting. Some A guy saw something in Michigan, like just like perched on the his neighbor's house um, next door, like just after dawn. Yeah, um, this stuff like that. It just yeah, people just keep seeing this shit. It really is crazy to me. I uh, man, I just love I don't it because it's to say. yeah, it's like how is this happening? What are they even seeing? I still right. I still have to maintain it's got to be some animal that recently moved into the city that hasn't lived there before now, so everyone seeing it is really right. surprised benefit, by it. Benefit of a bit of doubt here that. If it is a creature, if it is something that they're actually seeing and not just people going like, oh, there's this thing going on. I'm right. going to jump on the train here. Yeah, I totally saw this bat and it shrieked at me and like chased me for a minute. But right. Benefit of the doubt. They're just seeing they're seeing something. They're seeing I, something. I, I don't know what. <laughs> the descriptions are so otherworldly, though. Yeah. Those proportions and everything. That's what I love so much about it is that it's it's just an out and out monster. It is, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? It's a it? flesh and blood creature, but it just doesn't sound right. And it's yeah, it's cool. Wow. Well, I really, really hope someone can get a picture. Oh my god, yeah. I I so I was saying last time we need to go to South America to try and find Mapinguari. Yes. I also really want to go to Chicago and while just promoting um, find, yeah, promoting Stony whatever beer Creek. Yeah, Stony Creek beer. 
Stony Brook? God. Stony Brook. Oh, yeah. Was it Stony Brook? I don't know. Jeez Louise. We're really, really bad at advertising. We're terrible. All right. Well, sorry, Stony Heron. All right. So there's there's the update. Would well, you that like to uh, kick it off there? It's extremely spooky. And yes, let me uh let me take it away. So, right, as we uh approach Halloween, it's only appropriate we felt that we would get into something a little more sort of uh, you know, supernatural. Appropriately creepy and supernatural perhaps. Yeah. Um so I will uh now relay to you. I forget, Jake, if I've told you my stories or not yet. You already. have told him in brief. I don't know how many there are. I know really only of one in particular, which I'm sure you'll cover. Yes. Um, so I'm just there aren't a hear. ton of them, but I can say for sure that they are strange, and I still don't really know what it was. But that isn't to say that it was necessarily a ghoulie or a ghost. But it was a strange thing and could be fun to hear about. So I guess I'll begin with a caveat to sufficiently take all (laughs) of the uh, ghoulishness out of it, which is to say that I don't really believe in ghosts that much. I think where I have the most like cognitive dissonance with this stuff is with my feeling towards ghosts. Like I come down hard. No, I don't believe in ghosts. Right. But then anyone I know tells me a ghost story like, oh, yeah, I believe that happened to you. So I really yeah, don't exactly. know where that's, I fall. And that's maybe a good way of putting it. I believe that people have weird experiences, and I believe that people, that one's mind can absolutely be haunted, can haunt itself, as it were. Oh, definitely. Um, but do I believe that there are things trying to push their way back into our realm from beyond? Do I believe that there are, like, evil spirits trying to, um, you know communicate with us messengers do anything yes exactly uh no nah yeah no nah, i really don't um and uh let me let me look at my notes here so certainly right so to go with that caveat i think people tend to have paranormal experiences when they're already feeling a bit ill at ease when they're nervous or frightened by their environment let's say or what have you i mean i think fear can do a real number on us too when you're already feeling kind of eerie for whatever reason you know you're Blood tends to flow into your limbs, so that can account for a lot of your I feel a sudden chill. Mm, definitely. Your hearing will perk up, which can account for your did you hear that? Okay. And our motion detection, especially in the periphery of our field of view, can perk up. So slight little changes of light can account for those I just saw something. Okay. You know, it's funny you say that because I've, there have been times when I've been home alone at nighttime and been freaked out. Either I just watched a horror movie or something by myself or something. And then I'll see something out of the corner of my eye. And then after I'll, I'll actually, because, I mean, based on the kind of person I am, I will recreate what I'm doing. It's like, well, what caused that? I'm trying to figure out. Then yeah, I'll, right. Then Let's I'll figure do out, some repetition Like here. I'll see something in the mirror behind me in the corner of my eye or something. And then I'll move around and say, oh, when I move just like this, the light in the reflection does this. And it looks like something moving to my right. But it's actually just that, just the way parallax. It's just, yeah, it's any number of factors. Right. And I mean, I don't say that to take away from anyone's experience either i think that is still a creepy experience especially i mean and it's oh, it's yeah. no um you know it's no surprise that when people want to start to spook themselves just for even fun you dim the lights oh absolutely you make the atmosphere a little bit creepy because it kind of encourages it i think too that one can particularly if you kind of become convinced of oh my god there's a ghost you kind of can fall into a self-hypnosis 
or a sort of, you know, every experience that I have that can confirm, you know, sort of observational bias. Definitely. Where now some strange thing happened. It was that goddamn ghost again. And before you know it, you're sort of narrating your own reality. I say this fully aware that I think everyone does this to some extent with every aspect of their lives. It's very easy to sort of fall into your mind. I say all this as well, not to offend anyone who may be listening who has had, you know, an experience that they're very convinced of and that they feel very strongly about was a real one. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mean to delegitimize their personal experience. I understand strange things happen. I just haven't personally experienced anything to sort of confirm for myself that this is a real thing. And so for now, it's Same. just... Uh, yeah. It's something that is we can't yeah. explain, but we don't know what it is. I'm not yet yeah, not ready to come down and say, oh, it's a ghost. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's ghosts. So that, all that being said, I once saw a ghost. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I did have some strange experiences, and I will tell you all about them now. So... I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, in a historic district, which a lot of Springfield is pretty historic, but of Hill McKnight, and uh, the, the neighborhood dates back to 1870. Give us um, your home address. Yeah. <laughs> I live at 123 Street Street, <laughs> um, and Mc- Hill McKnight is regarded as one of the first planned residential neighborhoods in the U.S., and uh, many of the large, original Victorian-era homes are still there though many have also undergone quite a bit of refurbishing or, like, renovation. And so I moved to Springfield when I was, like, five and lived there, you know, grew up basically through high school and off to college, all in Hill McKnight. And uh, when I was about 11, my folks and I moved into um, a home, like a big old house. And the former owners, uh, they basically bought older not exactly run down houses but houses that needed some refurbishing and fixing up and also ones that would lend themselves to their own kind of like vision of what they could do to a house and so um in this house they happened to knock down a dividing wall that separated what had been sort of like a front parlor welcoming room if you will and a back kind of like portal to another dimension it's a portal to another dimension exactly and but before he knew it weird things were happening (laughs) Um, so they knocked this wall down (laughs) that's what it sounded like in my house when i was young just perpetual burps actually that's probably true too um so it basically opened up into this really large living room space which was really nice and uh, But one of the things they found when they did this was a little letter in the walls. And this oh, is cool. where perhaps a bit of priming came in for me as far as feeling kind of creeped out as a young person in this house. This letter, it was a little postcard of, you know, maybe about two and a half inches tall by three, three and a half inches wide. Really small and like really flimsy old cardstock dated from 1872. Oh, wow. And addressed to Mrs. John Barry at the address of our house and they're like here you go we found this in the walls so you had so you had a um a mail carrier at the time who when asked to deliver to a particular location made sure it really really got to that specific address yeah. like the middle of wherever that address was <laughs> he's like no 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 I, I really have to deliver this to exactly the center of your house <laughs> the letter itself again in the walls if that doesn't already creep you out for some reason it creeped me out the letter itself reads something to the effect of, 
Again, addressed to Mrs. John Barry. I will not be reaching out to you again. I'm giving you until the end of October to tell me where you have put my mother. A word to the wise is sufficient. And then there was kind of like a little, you know, initials signature kind of thing at the end of it. And so, of course... so enigmatic and weird. It's so spooky, right? It's got, (laughs) it like just... just calls up all of the horror movies for me of just like where have you put my mother and so yeah, you picture like psycho or psycho? Any kind of, yeah. yeah exactly and so of course my first thought is there are old lady bones in our walls <laughs> there are absolutely body parts in this house somewhere <laughs> just sitting there so that creeped me out but again that wasn't exactly anything strange or unexplainable it was just a postcard they happened to find on the walls which i thought was kind of cool so let's cut ahead maybe two or three years down the road I want to say I'm in, like, middle school by this point. I'll just set the scene. The layout of our house was such that there's, like, a grand sort of front staircase and then a smaller, narrow back staircase. And the grand staircase kind of goes from, like, the f- the main entryway up to the landing upstairs where there's, like, bedrooms and the rest of it. The back staircase uh, goes up to the other end of the hallway upstairs, and then it spirals down to the kitchen and then spirals down again to the basement and so it's basically like a servant's staircase okay where you know the house originally was likely split where you'd have like servants quarters in one little sort of pocket of the house and then the rest of it would have been like mr mr homeowner's fine residence (laughs) and uh anyway that's the layout so the back staircase kind of is the quick access to the kitchen stair if you will from upstairs and it's also, like, the natural pathway to take when you do laundry. Um, obviously, the washing or dryer in the basement. And crime as it was, my mom would do, like, 90% of everyone's laundry <laughs> at home. Because uh, I was a teen. I was like, whatever. Dirty clothes are cool, man. <laughs> but she would sometimes bring the laundry basket up and push it down the hall. So make this little, like, shh, 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 down the hall from that staircase to the room. And then she'd, like, hulk it up onto the bed. So it's late fall, I want to say, and one night I'm in bed waiting to fall asleep, and I hear what sounds like the laundry basket being pushed down the hall. It's like 9.30 at night, though, Hmm. which is kind of late for my mom to be doing laundry. And it's going very slowly, though. It's kind of just like a shh, shh, Jesus. (laughs) You know, it, it was weird enough that it caught my ear and attention very much such that it kept going down the hall and when it finally did stop what sounded like right outside my room God damn it. <laughs> just the slow horror movie shuffle yeah, right to totally, where though. your room is totally and i'm like <laughs> you know kind of getting those heebie-jeebies in bed right now right and i'm like mom like you know what are you doing out there what's going on no response mom stop shambling in the hallway yeah mom why are you shambling so much <laughs> That's not your usual method of locomotion. (laughs) You usually lurch to bed. What are you doing right now? (laughs) But yeah, I I legitimately got out of bed and peeked out into the hallway, and my folks were already asleep. Mm. So that was creepy. But I kind of was like, you know, all right, spooky stuff. You know, I can't explain this, but I wasn't exactly... Oh, there's definitely a ghost here. Yeah. It still, though, was a bit eerie to me. So let's cut ahead again. Smash cut. Smash cut to I'm playing in the attic, which seems like kind of a weird 
creepy <laughs> loner thing to do. <laughs> I was I, eating. Now I'm just picturing your whole childhood as a horror movie. <laughs> up there, it's all I dust. go to the attic. <laughs> yes, mother. I'm just up there eating rats. <laughs> I was playing. <laughs> now, before you get too far, I'm yes. I'm just gonna predict. So, did you find some old reels of Super Eight film up there? I uh no, fortunately, I did not find that. Nor did I find any old lady bones. So, I'll put that one to bed right now as well. Were they under your bed? Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the old lady bones. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> um, <laughs> but I was up there, and they, my folks had like put a dart. Like I guess they had a dartboard, but it was hung up on the wall up in the attic. And I was like just throwing darts at this board, just kind of killing time and trying out darts. Cause <laughs> so you know, <laughs> because it's solid enough reason. Yeah, but yeah, it just was. You know, you just do these things and throwing darts around, and all of a sudden, I hear piano being played, like, Whoa. very, very well, and in the distance. It's like someone going to town on a, like, real piano, not like a key, it didn't sound like a keyboard or anything, and, you know, I couldn't really tell you what the tune was, but it was... The Entertainer? Quite engaged, yes. Probably the ice cream truck a lot. Yeah. They were going, like... Da, 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 da. <laughs> and it got closer and then it went further away it got lower pitch as it was going yeah away. it seemed to distort which was really eerie to me and uh <laughs> but um yeah so i hear this piano being played and i'm excited and intrigued by this because i myself play piano and as far as i knew i was the only person on the street to really play piano i mean you don't really hear that ever Oh my god, I'm downstairs. Yeah, I must be playing piano right now. <laughs> How is there two of me? <laughs> but yeah, I ran I ran downstairs, went outside, because it did sound like it was coming like maybe from a house or two over, like up the street, and someone was just really going to town to like make it that loud. Go outside, listen for it, can't hear it anywhere. Go back upstairs, stick my head sort of like out an upstairs window, listen for it, can't hear it anywhere. And so I go back up to the attic, sure enough, there it is, just just like on the edge of audible hmm. if you will i didn't really get any eerie sensation from it i was just kind of like huh you know i can't really figure out where this is coming from but hey you know what good for you buddy out there playing piano like that's really cool so i like bank this away and kind of forget about it honestly um and it wasn't until years later when i came home on a trip visiting from college i'm chatting with my mom and on a whim i just ask her if anything weird had ever happened to her in the house. And she gets this funny look. Ooh. And lo and behold, she corroborates the weird dragging sound. Oh, that shit. That shuffle noise. Oh, shit. From upstairs. See, that's not the one I want. You want the, the music corroborated. You'd rather not the music one. one, right? And I'm sorry to say, it was the dragging one that she corroborates. Oh, no. She was sitting, and, and further, I kind of quiz her on it because I'm like, well, where exactly did you hear this sound? She had been in her studio, which is actually right at the top of the, the back stairs. My bedroom was right at the top of the front stairs. So the hallway dividing those spaces is where I had heard that sound go on. Okay. She had heard it move from her studio towards the other end of the hall, and it was the identical sound pattern, at least by her description, of this mm. kind of noise down the hall. Ugh. And she is not a very like sensationalist woman, my mom. She is very like 
down to earth, not looking for bizarre things to happen. You know what I mean? And so it was um, very, very creepy for me. And then I do ask her also about the piano music in the attic. My mom does not have terribly good hearing. Um, it just happens. You know, it's a yeah. fate for all of us. And back then, I mean, I feel like I still have pretty good hearing now. And back then, I feel like it was sharp as anything. And for me to hear it just on the periphery, I was like, well, surely she will not have heard this piano music. But I'm just going to ask anyway because I can never explain it. So I was like, if you're, have you ever been in the attic and heard piano music way in the distance? Like, specifically when I'm not here. And she gets the Goosebumps hardcore. She <laughs> had heard the very same oh, type of faint going to town piano music from the attic wow and so that's awesome isn't that kind of fun it's kind of cool i mean as far as like weird things happening at least it wasn't like yeah i saw the blood pouring out of the walls again (laughs) like (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty mild stuff but it's just it's cool that it was um independent uh exactly occurrences separate occasions please sorry no that was pretty much as far as the sentence was gonna go (laughs) um but yeah so that I mean, I still don't really have an explanation for it, but it is enough that, you know, it puts an extra thrill for me into the mix. These are these are stories I probably wouldn't even have told if it weren't for the corroboration, because with that kind of independent repetition of the phenomenon, it just makes it more uh, convincing for me in a sense of something something happened. It wasn't just some random event necessarily, or if it was... We just happened to be in the same place at the same time that it would happen on separate occasions. Uh, so, so same place at different times. <laughs> same place at different times. That's usually how one says that. Uh, <laughs> so we join forces to research the house and check out all the records we can find in the, um, whatchamacallit there. Library? <laughs> yeah, there were a lot of books on the walls and... Uh, <laughs> Everyone was really quiet for some reason. <laughs> the historical society in your town? Something or? historical society, yes, yeah. indeed. And um, the Springfield of the late 1800s. This is like the part where I kind of have my fun... Go- this is the fun ghost story to go along with these phenomena, if you will. Okay. I'm not saying... Obviously, this is not necessarily what it is, but I like it. Um, as just like a fun thing. Caveats forever. So, yeah, Springfield of the late 1800s, hub of invention and industry, drew a lot of big mines and deep pockets to the Connecticut River Valley. That's where they had the World's Fair, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Paris, Springfield, America. (laughs) Um, Let me see. And our home had once been the residence of a Mr. John Barry, who was one of the mines behind Barney and Barry ice skates. Hmm. And now if you're a Springfield local and you have some chops on your history, you will know that Barney um, was the owner of the house that and the property that is now Forest Park, which is a huge piece of land that has been kept as a recreational space. It was actually sold to the city for like a dollar or something. He like basically just gave it away as he was reaching that point in his life. This guy, yeah. I forget the first name, Barney, but... They, they made these really popular ice skates and so kind of made a fortune off of it. But Barney did much better and thus um, had that huge property where Barry's humble home, by comparison, was still like nothing to sniff at at the time. But it turns out John Barry died in the house. Ooh. And if I'm not mistaken, was found in the main entryway 
having fallen over the banister, hmm. so they say, with contusions. Very interesting. Very cool. interesting indeed. <laughs> Very. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so the take-home message is there's totally some old lady's bones in our walls. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> you know, sorry about ice skates. And then there's an old lady's bones in our walls. There's an old lady's bones. <laughs> um, which are, as anyone will tell you, the spookiest kind of bones. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of a fun thing, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just asleep at home. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. that, that's very cool stuff. It's just like fun. Yeah, not every ghost story is going to be like you know Amityville <laughs> horror or some yeah, kind exactly. of thing. <laughs> and um, but also the more fantastic they get, the harder they are to believe. And so it's just like subtle little stuff like this. Is like a, it raises the question: Okay, what actually happened? And there is no satisfactory explanation. And that's where all the fun comes from. Right. Like, what What was that? It's mysterious. And I mean, at this point. I'm going to err on the side of someone legit was just playing piano. We both heard it somewhere. And the shuffling sound, you know, I don't know. Did you guys have a pet at the time? We did. We had three cats. Um, and one would just, sh- <laughs> would just shuffle, shuffle around. <laughs> just drag itself down the hall. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we had three cats at the time. So who knows? Interesting. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, so there, there you have it. Well, thank you for sharing, Wyatt. You're welcome. That was my. I think you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I made it up. I was playing piano, and I was dragging myself down the hall. <laughs> and I put those old lady bones. And I in put the them wall. in there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really so. I'm really curious about that postcard too. As far as just the wording, like, what the hell was the guy talking about? I don't really know. Uh, to be honest, I I wonder if it wasn't. You know, it could have been something to the effect of, like, where you put my mother in the sense of, like, what hospital is she in? Like, okay. what home have you put her in? Or um, maybe, like, um, maybe it's more of a less literal sense, like, uh, I don't know, like, where in, in, your, in your will is your, where yeah, is, she, yeah, where yeah, is yeah. she in your regards? Right. Well said. I don't know. Because there's clearly some kind of um, frustration by the writer yeah they've been asking for a while it sounds like and a word to the wise is sufficient yeah Yeah, it was very like a threatening tone and which could mean maybe they're anxious to know about like you're saying like something with to do with money or something to do with property of some kind Mm -hmm. um or something to do with health perhaps like maybe the hospital route of like where have you put her where's her you know what's her state perhaps it's just occurring to me now, maybe the mother was one of the housekeeper types, maybe the servant that lived there. Oh, she, yeah. And maybe she fell ill, and this person's like, what have you done with her? Where'd she go? Yeah, that's interesting. Or, or she's in the walls. She's in the walls, baby. <laughs> it's also possible that they just she just misplaced her at some point. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> Left her at the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where, okay, where'd you leave her? Yeah. Like, you don't, don't, don't like, you don't have to just go on a whole story just to... Word of the wise is enough. I'll figure it out. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So there you go. Very cool. The end. So we talked a bit about some personal experiences that might be real. Right. Let's talk about some other people's experiences that we just want to shit all over. (laughs) Let's take a big old doo-doo. Alrighty. Wyatt. And totally estrange the heck out of our audience. (laughs) Yes. Get out of here, audience. Let's, Let's talk about Ouija boards. Oh. Or Ouija, depending on how you want to say it. <laughs> Ouija. Ouija. I've heard it's, it's, I guess it's correct to pronounce it both ways. 
I just go based on how it's spelled. It seems like it should be Ouija. I, but I say Ouija. What's that? I say Ouija. Ouija? All right. Ouija boards. So, I'm going to lead us through the history of the Ouija board. Now, based on most stories you hear in about like all the different movies that include Ouija boards, including, <laughs> say, the movie Ouija, uh, <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> it seems to sound like it is a um, an ancient, like, well, not ancient, but like a really ancient... <laughs> <laughs> thousands of years ago, the first week. Cavemen. <laughs> yes. Um, no, but it's, it's, it sounds like it's a really old uh, thing. It's been around for quite a while. Um, uh-huh. And there are various stories of different methods of supernatural communication involving boards and stuff as far back as the 12th century in China. But nothing at all like the Ouija board um, really <laughs> came about until the 19th century in the U.S. Purely a product of spiritualism. Um, and people cocaine. Back and cocaine. <laughs> Uh, people back then were obsessed with commu- uh, spiritual spiritualism and communicating with the dead. Uh, keep in mind, this was at a time when stage magicians were absolute rock stars. Uh, this kind of stuff was just really popular at the time. People, social, social, social. Priming, priming, priming. Exactly. People didn't have much to do. Uh, the craze really started to sweep the nation as a result of the Fox Sisters. Do you remember the Fox Sisters? They were um, uh. some sisters who claimed to be able to communicate with the dead through knocking sounds on the walls. Now oh, you, yes, I do remember this. Yeah, so you might recognize that as um, the parlor trick used in every seance ever. So one would be in the room. Ask a question, say, oh, knock questions. three times if you're here with us. The other would be next to the bones in my parents' balls. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, every time you were talking about that, I kept thinking of the Fox sisters. They found, like, there were later bones found in their walls. What? But then it was like, okay, well, it's like s- partly chicken bones and some other oh, things. Oh, Probably put there after the fact, yeah. So... Uh, the parlor trick angle would eventually prove to be true for the Fox sisters as well. Like mm-hmm. one of them came forward and said, "Actually, we've been we've been making the knocks. They showed different ways. She demonstrated different ways she could make the knocking sounds without anyone noticing." But even uh, before any of that was revealed to be an actual hoax, America as a whole had drunk the Kool Aid, um, and it made sense. It was fun, enter- entertaining, uh, theoretically harmless, uh, and it could even provide some much-needed closure to surviving loved ones. Um, mediums, yeah, true. Mediums made bank off of families of soldiers who died in the Civil War. Ah, uh, there you go. Uh, so that was um, a thing. Right. Uh, it was really just a game to everyone, and since games are fun and fun is profitable, the Kennard Novelty Company saw a chance to make some good money off of the fad. I do like the angle of it being sort of a therapy application. That is cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was um, really people going, like, saying they want to talk to their dead loved one one last time. So it would give them closure on... Right. That, like getting a chance to say goodbye. Um, and This is all pre-Ouija board? Pre-Ouija board. Okay. Pre-Ouija board. Pre-Ouija board. <laughs> it was, um, so there were a bunch of different methods for trying to communicate with the other side, but the most popular were uh, table tilting and planchette writing. Yeah, I can do that. So planchettes are now what's known as like the little triangle thing that goes around on the Ouija board. But before the Ouija board itself, the planchette was its own separate thing. Kind of looks like the Star Trek symbol. It Actually, you're right. It does. It Absolutely does. The little chevron thing they wear on the Starfleet uniforms. A chevron. <laughs> table, tilting, uh, table tilting involved everyone lightly placing their hands on an uneven table, asking questions, and then calling out every letter of the alphabet <laughs> and waiting for the table to lean and make a knock at the correct letter. You know your board when. Yes. Hey. So still kind of the same basic premise B. as a Ouija board where everyone's hands are touching the table and then, oh, it was the spirit that made it move. Um, planchette writing was a lot like using the planchette on a Ouija board, except it was on top of a blank piece of paper and had a pencil attached to one end. 
Have the you oldest, seen any of Kate Planchett's movies? She has quite a range. She does. Um, the oldest Planchettes were just like an overturned little tiny basket with a pencil tape to it. Well, not tape, but attached to it. Tape. Uh, <laughs> um, people had fun with these, but ultimately they took too damn long or produced results that were too hard to read, respectively, between the table <laughs> and the Planchette. Spirit boards seem to be the answer. So the moment spirit boards began to gain popularity among spiritualists, Charles Kennard and four other investors formed the Kennard Novelty Company, uh-huh. patented the shit out of it, and came up with a name, Ouija. So the um, the spirit board already existed. Do we know how they came up with that name? Great that you asked. That's the very next bullet in my list of notes, Mr. Shell. Well, look at me. You've got into the very nub of my gist. <laughs> That's because uh, I saw it coming because of this Ouija board I got over here. <laughs> There are a bunch of conflicting accounts as to where the name came from, and all of them are bullshit except maybe one. Um, what the <laughs> biggest, the like, one point. of the most popular ones is uh, that it's a combination of the the words for yes in both French and German. Ah, except mm-hmm. if that were the case, it would be we ya. A we ya board. Yeah. Hey, so, maybe it is. But that was uh, something that a later owner of the company would come up with on his own to decide that. Oh, this seems good. Uh. The actual, like, the most likely explanation is uh, in a session with the Ouija board, um, a session with a strong medium. They described her as a strong medium. She was the sister-in-law of a one of the investors. A strong medium. Yeah, she's <laughs> <laughs> a strong medium, a weak strong medium. <laughs> um, they asked the board what it should be called, and supposedly Ouija was what it spat out. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, this medium was one of the, um, one of the investors. It was his sister-in-law. Um, so they asked what Ouija meant, and the board said, good luck. Oh. Now, it was probably just okay. a complete coincidence that the medium at the time was wearing a locket containing a photo of a woman with the word Ouija above her head. Interesting. Which is actually probably um, Ouija. Ouija. Uh, an author and woman's right activist at the time who was oh, pretty cool. popular. And so it would make sense to have her in a locket. Uh, and apparently she wasn't quite popular enough to this one woman to get her name quite right. Yeah, Plays really. The D with a J, She's but like, damn it. But still, that that seems to be where the name came from. The company would eventually be passed to William Fold, who really leaned into the long occult history of the board, uh-huh. uh, which he made up, and then he uh-huh. went even crazier with patents. Uh, then Parker so Brothers. It's all uh, fabricated. Then it's yeah. It's like it's just a well. It's like they they so they um they patented the the spirit board, made it the Ouija board. That's like the the trademark name. Um, and then Parker Brothers bought the company in 1966. Hasbro bought Parker Brothers in 1991. And to this day, Ouija boards are still marketed essentially as board games. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the story of just the Ouija board as that name, as what it is. It's just uh, always just been a novelty, just for fun. Sure. But there's still the question of, okay, so spirit boards were a thing. Where did those come from? Like, they, they just patented it, but mm-hmm. someone else invented it. Uh, yeah, so, so people, people in general were trying all kinds of methods of communicating with spirits from the mid-1800s onward, which I deliberately glossed over earlier because I wanted to get to the cool parts now. Um, cool parts? Boards with letters and stuff were just a popular method that eventually got monetized. But that idea, where did that come from? Uh, several different people tried to claim being the first to think of combining the planchette method with something actually convenient. <laughs> um, <laughs> so here, this is fun too. So... From American Spiritualist Magazine, 1876. This was popular enough, spiritualism, that they had a magazine. At least, American at least one Spiritualist magazine. magazine. Uh, so I'm going to read My this. Goodness. It's a, a kind of a long quote. I'll try and blast through it. 
Many of your readers may wish to communicate with their spirit friends, but lack even that feeble mediumistic power which is generally considered the first step to or beginning of mediumistic development, viz. the power to communicate by tippings of the table. Mm, yes. But there has been discovered by my wife a method which my will wife. enable many persons to get manifestations who could not get tippings of the table. Uh-huh. And for those who require tipping of the table to point out the letters when the alphabet is called, obsessed with tipping of the table. a method is here offered that will facilitate operations greatly. My wife and myself, having discovered that we conjointly, not singly, were able to have intercourse with our spirit friends by tippings, found the process very tedious. Just the tipping. <laughs> but soon as we tried the new method, our spirit son exclaimed, Oh, dear Papa and Mama, you have made our work so easy now. They have a spirit son? Ugh. Just, just, because uh, the method is this. And then he explains the idea of, he had a whole setup of a this table. This is gross, kind where of. He, a table where he put letters on it and then had a little pointer thing they both put their hands on and slide it around and it points to the letters. Um, <laughs> with this little arrangement, we receive messages now faster than by writing. If you think this information useful, your readers are welcome to it. Fraternally yours, LK. I like the little bit of a voice you put on there. Yes, well. Yes, well. Almost, almost got a little bit too into like a transatlantic accent. I would have enjoyed that Which is like, even is more. like 60 years too early for that. <laughs> um it's unlikely that LK and his wife... It's a rather f- good board. I just love that they're, like, they're trying to communicate. It's taking too long. They find this new way, and then their spirit son says, Oh, dear Papa and Mama, you have made our work so easy now. <laughs> our, our spirit son. like That's just like a totally... They just, like, spirit just son. Just throwing that out there like it's a totally normal I thing. I like that he refers to it as our work. Like, <laughs> yes. it's the endeavor of spirits to try to like construct some kind of uh, communication channel. Yeah. Answer their bullshit questions. Yeah. <laughs> so it's unlikely that they were the first and only people to invent something like that. I mean, if folks had Christmas lights back then, anyone could have just gone all stranger things on their communications. Like they could have. That would have been cool. Yeah. So anyone would have found just some more convenient way to communicate. This is a way that makes sense. Speaking like, of which, watch Stranger Things on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's we're probably coming we're just out. Keep putting. Yeah, it's coming out October thirty first, season exactly, two. Exactly, season two. Uh, we're just gonna keep putting. Native, up, native advertisements into our podcast until someone picks us up. <laughs> um, so basically, it's sort of uh, <laughs> the whole idea of spirit board communication sort of convergently evolved among spiritualists when everyone got tired of the alphabet game. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a, it's a faster way to do things. But as I mentioned, the spirit board method was an elaboration of the planchette method. Mm. So who got that bright idea? Hold up. So the planchette came first? The planchette and tipping table thing were both kind of at the same time. I see, I see. The Ouija board became a combination of um, the planchette method and like now having letters on a table. Right. So where did that come from? For this, I will defer to Alan Kardec's The Spirits Book from 1857. Damn. In which he describes the invention of the planchette. So let me go to Google <laughs> Books here. Satan himself arrived. And I meant to cite my sources here in the beginning. Um, a lot of stuff I was talking about earlier is from like the whole history of the Ouija as, a, as a brand thing is from... Um, Overghost.com? <laughs> no, it's from uh, the Smith- uh, Smithsonian Magazine, uh, written up by Linda Rodriguez McRobbie. So thank you, Linda, for making it a nice, concise history of the Ouija board. Uh, so this book, uh, the uh, Ouija book... book. It'd be super funny if they wrote it all by using a Ouija board and it was just <laughs> garbledy gook. There are stories that people actually had, like, writing novels using a Ouija board. Really? Which sounds like an impossibly slow... It seems, like, incredibly slow. Yeah. You know what would be really cool, too? Mm-hmm. Is if you put some, like, organic, you know, conductive matter 
on the planchette that wasn't a person, like, but replicated the hands okay. touching it, and then just see what happens. <laughs> okay, yeah, because the idea is supposed to be that the energy is being channeled through you, so, like, yeah. Right. If If what you are is just a thing... Mm. Like replicate as much as you can the <laughs> material of a human, yeah. and like see what happens. I bet it would be nothing. Why? I bet it would sit dead still <laughs> and do fuck all. <laughs> so let's quote this this book from 1857 by Alan Kardec. So he talks about how people communicate with table tipping, asking questions to the air, and like, replying with the answers. So the mysterious being who gave these replies, when a question as to its nature, declared itself to be a spirit or genius gave itself a name and stated genius. various particulars about itself this is a circumstance of noteworthy importance for it proves that no one has suggested the idea of spirits as an explanation for the phenomenon but the phenomenon gave the explanation of itself yeah, hypotheses are often sure. framed in the positive sciences to serve as a basis of argument but such was not the case in this instance now, first of all, a hypothesis is not that's not what a hypothesis is. No, no. <laughs> no. But anyway, we'll just keep we'll just blow through that. Also, I like that okay, anyway, yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, there's just so much so much to pick apart. But it gets great because the ghost well, let me just yeah. The mode of communication furnished by the alphabet being tedious and inconvenient, the invisible agent, again the spirit he's referring to, a point <laughs> worthy of note, suggested another. By advising Ooh. the fitting of a pencil to a small basket. This basket, placed upon a sheet of paper, was set in motion by the same occult power that moved the tables, but instead of obeying a simple and regular movement of rotation, the pencil traced letters that formed words, sentences, and entire discourses, filling many pages treating of the deepest questions of philosophy, morality, metaphysics, psychology, etc., and as rapidly um, as through written by the hand. Ghostwriter. Yes! <laughs> I just like the idea that they're... Um, so. They're getting tired of how long it's taking to do the table tilting thing. So They're the ghost just bored of their fucking <laughs> yeah. game. So the ghost says, All right, I have a better idea. Yeah, yeah. So he says to go like, fetch I'm I'm tired of it too. <laughs> Let me get to the actual quote. The quote from the ghost. So the suggestion made this suggestion was made simultaneously in America, in France, and in various other countries. Yeah. So all sorts of ghosts were telling people to do this. It was made in the following terms in Paris on the 10th of June, 1853, to one of the most fervent partisans of the new phenomena, and one who, from the year 1849, had been busily engaged in the evocation of spirits. So here's the quote from the board, what, or from what they were being told, uh, sorry, from the table, I guess, what it was telling them to do. Quote, fetch the little basket from the next room. Fetch the little basket. Put the lotion in the basket. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, fasten a pencil to it. Place it upon a sheet of paper. Put your fingers on the edge of the basket. Uh, so this having been done, the basket, a few moments afterward, began to move. Uh-huh. And the pencil wrote, quite legibly, this sentence. <laughs> Booty stank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this sentence. I expressly forbid you repeating to anyone what I have just told you. The next time I write, I shall do it better. <laughs> I'll be more good next time. <laughs> so the best part about this quote, I found it in a bunch of different places. And the next paragraph, like the very next sentence, is just like, oh, so this is how the planchette was invented. Like they, people decided to call it the planchette, and that was just how it started. No one ever follows up on the fact that it says, I expressly forbid you repeating this to anyone. And the fact that everyone teaches it to everyone. Yeah, what's up with and that? And so, like, so it's like the ghost say, okay, you can't tell anyone about this. And like no one, just everyone, like, everyone yeah, yeah, glosses yeah. over that. We're, we all want our new parlor game, dude, so whatever, ghost. Yeah. That's so American. So basically... 
the uh, the Ouija board was just something that was just kind of people elaborated on different methods they already had. One right. of which was the planchette method, and the planchette method was invented by ghosts. <laughs> That's crazy. I wonder what else was invented <laughs> by ghosts that doesn't have to do with supernatural goofy shit like this. Yeah. So I mean, there are some different explanations for how a Ouija board works. The biggest one, it actually, people started using this explanation. At the exact same time, the Ouija boards were being used. Actually, even before that, they're using it to describe table tilting and stuff, too. Because scientists were onto the Ouija board's shit since before it was even invented. <laughs> uh, it's called the idiomotor response. Uh-huh. It was first described in 1853 to explain table tilting. Basically, the body is capable of producing or responding to unconscious movements, kind of like reflexes. So if you ask the board a question, and you and your partner are obviously hoping for an answer, that's the whole point of doing yeah. it, so then if anyone unconsciously starts to move the planchette, everyone else can unconsciously facilitate that movement and continue right, it. So right. either you move it and don't realize you're actually responsible for moving it, and uh, then everyone else feels that movement and just kind of follows it where it goes. It's like massive psychosomatic priming. Exactly. That's the, that's the entire way it works. And right. it's the same thing with the table tilting. Like you all have your hands on the table. If you start to feel it go even a little bit, you're going to like kind of help like guide it in the same direction, right, exactly. or if I mean at the same time if you if you in your heart of hearts want it to go like if you, if you want it to go it's going to you may start to move it and, and not realize you're doing it you know and you it's feel like it moving and think oh it's going to go you got to figure no one really shows up in that scenario not at least a little bit wanting something to happen oh absolutely you've There's, already bought your ticket like you know you, what I mean yeah you don't go into a Ouija session as a skeptic. Um, and then, like, yeah, think you're going to actually have anything happen. So the other thing, too, is like there's a lot, there's a lot of confirmation bias. Every right. story you ever hear about a Ouija board is the story where something interesting was spelled out or something weird happened yeah, exactly. or some sozo demon came through it. Uh, you don't ever hear about the stories where, oh, yeah, we uh, sat there and absolutely nothing happened. Or we yeah. sat there and uh, just spelled out a bunch of gibberish. Right. Like, and... That's pretty much most of the stories. People don't tell them because they're not interesting. So you only hear about the scary ones. Also, at no point during the history of the creation of the Ouija board was communicating with the dead seen as a possible way to open a portal to hell or something like how it's depicted <laughs> now in horror stuff. Oh, yeah, it was right. pretty much always just a fun activity. Right. So it was just like a thing people did for right. fun, whatever. Now it's like, oh, it's a scary thing to do. Now, one thing I like, too, there were some different descriptions on how to use a board back then and like how they're set up. The basic setup nowadays for a Ouija board is... You have all the letters in rows. Like they can be arranged a bunch of different ways. Um, I think the I think the main commercially available one is like two rows of letters. I think thirteen letters each. Mm -hmm. um, and then the numbers is one through or zero through ten or zero through nine or something underneath that. And um, and then you have hello and goodbye, and yes and no. And those are all the things on the board. And maybe <laughs> <laughs> ask again later. I like the ones that have what up, dog. <laughs> so I thought of uh, the fact there's the hello and goodbye, and I remembered hearing some point a rule about how to use the Ouija board. So I decided to look oh, up the rules okay. of the Ouija board, and they're pretty fun. So I found this seems like I found a couple different iterations of it. This one is from uh, shopoflittlehorrors.com, <laughs> and it's just it's just a list of instructions, and they seem to be the same as the ones I found on other websites too. I just like they're all in one place here. Mm -hmm. um, so you need at least two people to play the Ouija board. Planchette pointer should be placed surprise. in the middle of the board, placed blah, blah, blah. Um, so rule number one, you should never play the Ouija board alone. This is for your safety both physically and mentally. Ouija board experiences are occasionally extreme, and should uh, this occur, you will need someone with which to support you both during and after the occurrence. Uh -huh. Conversely, 
it can't be done alone because if you do it alone, it ain't gonna work. Nothing's homie. gonna happen because if you have just your fingers on the planchette and it starts to like, move, oh, I'm moving it. Yeah, if it starts to move, you're like, oh, well, yeah, I did that. Because <laughs> you're gonna know, even if it's like if you want it to happen, and you feel like okay, I'm not actually moving it. It's kind of a gonna... perfect encapsulation of people freaking each other out. Exactly, like just hyping one the another. The mechanics of how we spook each other out and exactly. convince ourselves of it's stuff. It's just that, yeah, it's just distilled into this one activity that. We'll only do that. Rule number two. This one's fucking stupid. I love it. You must be eating (laughs) chicken fingers while playing Ouija. Um, Do not allow the planchette to count down to the numbers or backward to the alphabet. To allow it to do so could lead the demon slash ghost slash entity to escape from the Ouija board and leave it hanging around. And leave it hanging around. Yeah. Just kind of chilling. Hey, man, can I play around? <laughs> so if you let it count backwards of the numbers or go backwards of the alphabet, you will then have a loitering demon in your I like, too, that as hands. a rule, it's like kind of winkingly going like, hey, if you really want to get freaked out. Yeah, the rule's like, don't do this stuff. Try, try to make it do this thing. <laughs> like, oh, don't. Whatever you don't, do. Yeah. yeah, don't do it. You'd have too good a time. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, Don't let the Ouija board spell party, party, party. Too many. T- um, so rule number three. Always place a silver coin or other silver item upon the Ouija board before playing. Upon. Silver is known for its power to repel evil energies. Silver catches the light and repels the darkness. What about a fucking mirror? Yeah, that would make more sense compared to... I don't know what... Yeah, I mean, like, you think of like the idea of a silver bullet to kill of a course. werewolf. I know. All the, all the dumb yeah. stuff. But like, if the idea is like, oh, it's just like... It, yeah, I don't know. I'd never even heard... I, some of these I'd kind of heard of before, or at least heard mentioned in passing. I'd never heard of the silver thing. I'm pretty sure... That's interesting. I've though. never heard of anyone actually following that rule. Yeah, true. So, I've never heard of that one until just now. Yeah. Also, the next one kind of contradicts it, too. It was, uh, was supposed <laughs> to say that if you put silver on it, it keeps evil away. The next one is basically saying that all entities that come to the Ouija board are evil. Ouija board rule number four. Never mention God. It is generally believed that all entities contacted through the Ouija board are evil in what nature. What the heck? Even those that at first appear to be good or even seem to be related to the player. The demons or spirits channeled through the mm-hmm. Ouija board are more than aware of their lack of power in the face of God and that thus are both fearful and enraged by this knowledge. <sighs> so if you mention God, they get pissed like, fuck that guy. He's, he's not the boss of me. He ain't my boss. But, um, I'm totally going to hang out now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ugh, silver dollar. <laughs> Guess I can't come. Sorry, guys. So tacky. Yeah, it's just, it's so silly. Well, and like this also brings up so the idea of saying, oh, yeah, most of the spirits that are attracted are evil. Like, they're mostly just demons. But it just brings me back to the main point of Ouija board. Why would this be the way that spirits communicate with us? Like, they see, oh, they have this this cardboard thing or even if it's way they, they have a board with letters and a little triangle yeah. now i can talk to them yeah finally they're letting me spell I have things out the ability to move that i can't move anything else just that right exactly like if a spirit can do any of that stuff i hate even calling it a spirit if a spooky if a ghost spirit. <laughs> yeah if a spooky ghost can <laughs> do a ghoulish ghosty <laughs> um can uh can make the thing move you think it can Affect stuff in the real world in other ways that are more. Yeah, I like the idea that direct. ghosts are just waiting around for people to buy shit from Hasbro so that they can <laughs> finally talk to them, and specifically evil, mean-spirited ghosts that <laughs> yeah. specifically fear one of so many different theistic like. Yeah, because <laughs> you have to assume when it says like if you mention God, they mean 
the Christian the God. Christian the Judeo Christian God. You know, the only true God. Mention a lot. They're like, oh, cool. Mention Vishnu. Like, yeah, okay, he's, he's our pal. Yeah, Vishnu's cool. No sweat. Jesus, even he's cool. Son of God, we don't mind him. But his capital, dad's way stricter than capital G O D. Yeah, Jesus gets down. <laughs> um, so rule number five. This is the one I did know is like the biggest rule. This is the dumbest one because of some reasons I'll tell you about the original Ouija boards. Um, rule number five: always say goodbye. So you have the hello and goodbye <laughs> options. This is essentially the mechanism by which you, the Ouija board user, close the session or and turn the Ouija board off. <laughs> Failure to close the Ouija board session by saying goodbye will drain its batteries. <laughs> <laughs> may result in the contacted entity remaining present long after you have finished playing. Uh-huh. So let's say if you don't close up the session, they could still be there with you. Like, but but somehow just moving the planchette to goodbye makes them disappear. Yeah, your will affects the thing that up until this point has been the total authority on whatever is being dictating. Said and done. Like yeah. yeah. Um, but here's a fun fact that I found just in passing looking about the history of Ouija boards. They didn't always say hello and goodbye. And they specified that those were just formalities for politeness. They used to say um, good evening and good night oh. or good day and goodbye. They were just to be polite so you could just have a fun <laughs> formality. They were really just, yeah, goofy 1800s. But now it's like this dead serious thing. If you don't say goodbye, they're still around. Well, there you go. I mean, here's one person's take, right? Yeah. So, uh, so that is the history of the Ouija board. My goodness. I feel like that was scarier than what I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have full context for what, uh, whenever you hear some story about a scary thing that happens with the Ouija board, you can pretty much assume that no. Yeah, exactly. However, still fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, cool exercise and just how people, unconscious thoughts can affect one another or whatever. Right. Well... That's it for this week. <laughs> consider me, consider me quite spooked. Yeah. So between I think, it all, I think yes. So this will be there'll be one more episode it'll be between pre, this one. Pre Halloween. Pre Pre Halloween. There's one more episode after this one before Halloween. Happens, uh, okay. Okay. All right. Which means we should do some even spookier stuff. We should next just time. ramp. We should ramp the spooks up. Let's turn the lights down. Turn the fog machine up. Should we start recording uh, with flashlights pointed up at our faces? Yes. We should do that. We should read out of the Goosebumps books and or scary stories to tell in the dark. The Are You Afraid of the Are You Afraid of the Ghosts? <laughs> I remember that are show. Are You Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> are You Afraid of the Ghosts? Answer yes. Tune in next week for some more even uh, even spookier, spookier stuff. Um, yeah. And maybe we'll learn a different adjective other than spooky to describe the stuff that we yeah. like. Frightening. <laughs> I've got one already. Oh right, <laughs> we're set. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks so much. See you uh, next time. Bye. Bye.